Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hey, welcome back. I'm Chris, the pastor at Compass. As always, I am really glad that you're with me today. Now, we all have different things that we think make a person dirty. I saw an article online this week where a woman was complaining about men who wear flip-flops into the office when the weather gets warm. And she was complaining because she thinks men's exposed feet are dirty and gross. Now, I'll wear flip-flops from May to October if I can, but I guess that not everyone likes that. Hair washing, another great example. Some people think that your hair is dirty if you don't wash it every day. Then there are others who say you should only wash your hair every other day. Now, some people say you should only wash your hair once a week or even once a month. Now, I know that it is a sliding scale, but there has to be a point in the one day to one month range where your hair is dirty and needs to be washed. But people have different thoughts on when that is. Something that's fine to one person can be dirty to others. One time, uh, my daughter Cameron came home from school with something written on her hand. And I don't remember if it was school-related or if it was just a doodle, but my wife Terry freaked out. She made Cameron immediately go wash it off because, in her words, only dirty kids write on themselves. I thought this was a weird thing to be so passionate about, especially since... I've always been a person who doodled and wrote things on my hands, and and I didn't think it was a big deal. So I asked her why she hated it so much, and she told me that one time she had written on her hand when she was a kid, and her mom made made her wash it off, and her mom told her this, only dirty kids write on themselves. When I asked Terry why she thought it was dirty, she was like, "I I don't know, it just is. Now, I think this is kind of funny because Terry likes it when people have cool tattoos. For her, it's dirty to draw a temporary doodle on your hand, but not dirty to get a tattoo that will last forever, which also opens up a whole new can of worms because some people think tattoos are dirty. And then there are people who are fine with a tattoo that's on your arm, but think it's dirty to put a tattoo on your face. Everyone has different opinions about what's dirty. Now, on top of that, let's factor religion into all this, which seems designed to tell us what's dirty and forbidden. And and we have a mess of right and wrongs, do's and don'ts, that can be really confusing to navigate. How do we know what makes us dirty and what doesn't? Well, Jesus waded into this discussion when a handful of Pharisees confronted him on the fact that his disciples didn't ceremonially wash their hands before eating. Now, this had nothing to do with dirt or germs. It was all about being ceremonially clean by following their religious traditions. As a result, the Pharisees thought Jesus and his disciples were spiritually dirty because of their ceremonially unclean hands. And in response, Jesus pointed out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees by showing how their religious rules were actually hurting people. And I would encourage you to go check out last week's message online or in our podcast so that you can hear about that in more detail. But Jesus continued talking about what makes a person dirty and what doesn't in Matthew 15, verses 10. He said, it says that Jesus called the crowd to him and he said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. So here, Jesus is really telling what amounts to a riddle. You aren't defiled by what goes into your mouth, but by what comes out of it. 
Now, the Jewish people in, in his audience, they totally understood the concept of being defiled by what went into their mouths or by what they ate. I mean, look at Leviticus 11.8. You may not eat the meat of these animals or even touch their carcasses. They are ceremonially unclean for you. Now, you should read Leviticus 11 because it has a full list of animals the Israelites couldn't eat without being defiled. It included uh, pigs, camels, rabbits. Uh, they could only eat fish that had scales and fins. So things like crab, lobster, and shrimp, forbidden. They could eat chickens, but they couldn't eat seagulls or owls. Uh, rats and lizards were off limits. Uh, and while you could eat insects that had jointed legs like crickets or locusts, you couldn't eat any other bugs. You could eat a lamb chop, but not a pork chop because it made you dirty. So when Jesus said you aren't defiled by what goes into your mouth, Jewish ears went up. Because if he's saying what they think he is, Jesus is directly contradicting Jewish law as well as Jewish scripture. And the Pharisees did not like that at all. In verse 12, it says, Then the disciples came to him and they asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? The fact that the disciples were so concerned that Jesus had offended the Pharisees, that just shows how important Pharisees were in Jewish society. They were elite religious and spiritual leaders. They were the ones who knew scripture the best, worked the hardest to live scripture out, and modeled what a good religious life is supposed to look like. They were the ones who told people what was dirty and what was clean. And the disciples had lived their whole lives looking up to and listening to the Pharisees. But Jesus directly offended them, which made the disciples a little uncomfortable. But then Jesus goes even further in verse 13. He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They're blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Jesus here is harshly critical of the Pharisees in this moment. And this moment actually begins this escalating tension between Jesus and the Jewish religious leaders. And this, it's a tension that's only going to get bigger as we continue working our way through Matthew, which is kind of unsurprising considering the fact that Jesus just said that these men were not sent by God and that they're blind to what God's doing. Again, remember, these were the people who knew Scripture the best and adhered to it the most. But Jesus said, they were completely blind. Continues in verse 15. Then Peter said to Jesus, Explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. He didn't get it. And after all of this, Peter is like, he's like, okay, you've offended the Pharisees. You gave us this riddle that seems to contradict scripture about eating unclean animals. Jesus, can you just help us make sense of this? Explain this parable. So Jesus does. Verse 16 don't you understand yet? Jesus asked. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart, and that's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Here Jesus says what I think is one of the funniest things in the whole Bible. He says, the Pharisees think that not washing your hands or eating unclean animals will make you dirty. 
but these outside things, they don't defile you. And then he says this, you know what happens to anything that's unclean that you eat? It turns into poop. That's it. It goes through your body, down the toilet, and into the sewer. It doesn't defile you. At worst, it gives you a tummy ache. That outside stuff isn't dirty. It's the stuff that's already inside you that defiles you. And Jesus gets specific about what it is that comes out of us. It's our words and our actions. But those things aren't even really the bad stuff. The defiled stuff is what's in our heart. Our words just give voice to what's in our heart. It's like bad breath. When I was in college, I had an assigned seat in chapel next to a guy who had the worst breath in the world. And every day this guy would stand up and loudly sing worship songs next to me while I'm trying to just hide my nose in my hand without letting him know what I was doing. But his breath wasn't bad just because all breath is bad. His bad breath was an indicator of what was already going on inside his body. I mean, he might have been sick or had a sinus infection. Uh, Maybe he ate a big slice of garlic toast for breakfast every morning. But my point is that his breath was just an external sign of what was already happening inside his body, like a burp that smells like what you had for dinner. And in the same way, our words and actions are an external sign of a dirty heart. Here's the thing. The Pharisees were concerned with conformity. They wanted people to conform to the rules and structures of their religion because they believed that conformity led to purity. If we just manage our external behaviors, it will lead us to a pure heart. If we rigidly follow the religious rules, we will be clean. And they wanted people to conform from the outside. But Jesus wanted something totally different. Jesus wanted people to be transformed from the inside. Because according to Jesus, external conformity to religion won't change you. Only internal transformation will. I mean, look at how Paul says it in Romans 12, verse 1, or verse 2. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your inside world, your heart, your mind. I know a lot of people look at this passage and think that Paul is saying we shouldn't conform to the sinful culture that we live in. But let me give you some context. Because in the three chapters before this verse, Paul is talking about Israel, about how they got things wrong, how they misinterpreted how to follow God how they misunderstood how to not be dirty. And here are just a few things Paul said in these preceding chapters, Romans 9, 31 through 32. He says, but the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law, they never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him. The people of Israel were working so hard to get right with God, but it didn't work because they were trying to do it by conforming to law and religion. And why would they do that? Look at Romans 10, 3 through 4. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with themselves. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. But Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him 
are made right with God. You see, God's way of making us right with him is through Jesus, by putting our trust in him. It's by following his way of being in the world. And that change, it happens from the inside out. The outside-in approach of conforming to religion, it doesn't work. And now, knowing the context of Romans 12, 1 through 2, let's look at it again. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore, and therefore means because the nation of Israel were trusting in religious observance to make them right with God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, to trust him. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. And what is the pattern of this world that Paul is talking about? It's the pattern of religious conformity, of outside-in religion. It's not avoiding R-rated movies or only listening to Christian music or boycotting Target because they celebrate Pride Month. Conforming to the pattern of this world is embracing the harsh black and white practice of religion that might change our external behaviors, but is completely unable to deal with the actual dirty stuff in our hearts, the stuff that really defiles us. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I think it's interesting that in Matthew 15, Jesus didn't give a solution to dealing with our dirty hearts. He just pointed out that they're the real problem. And yet Paul clarifies it by telling us that the thing that makes us right with God is Jesus. You see, the difference between being conformed and being transformed is that external conformity is something that we can do on our own. But internal transformation is something that only God can do. And the way we're transformed is by keeping our eyes on Jesus, by following him, observing his life, and allowing him to renew our minds and hearts. The big thing to remember today is that Jesus changes us from the inside out. It doesn't really matter what you do or how clean a life you live. If you don't allow Jesus to transform you from the inside, your life will continue to reek of bad breath. Your words and actions will always betray what's really inside of you. And no amount of discipline or religious observance can change that. Only Jesus can. But the good news is that you don't have to work it out on your own. You don't have to stop writing on your hands or eating at Red Lobster. You just have to invite Jesus into your life and put your trust in him to transform you from the inside out. Do you snap in anger when you get upset? Let Jesus transform you. Do you gossip and say cruel things about others? Let Jesus transform you. Do you marginalize and criticize people who aren't like you, who you see as dirty? Let Jesus transform you. Do you have damaged and broken relationships because of words and actions that you can't seem to control? Let Jesus transform you. And may we be a church full of people who are all being transformed and who are patient and bear with each other, knowing that while we may not all be at the same stage of transformation, we're all following the same Jesus. 
And may we not seek religious, cultural, or political conformity from others, but instead seek to see everyone transformed by the loving embrace of Jesus. I will see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. 